Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. I, uh, I typically attend the 8 a.m. service, uh, but I told the 9.30 service that they were my favorite. So you guys have to convince me that you are my favorite versus the 9.30. <laughs> Amen? No, no, no. You don't, you, know, you don't have to brown nose, but just... Pay attention. <laughs> you know, when I was a youth pastor several years ago, I used to, um, you know, I used to, well, Carrie started it. She's giving candy to the, to the kids. And I kind of picked it up, and, but I took it to another level. I would, like, throw, like, the packs of M&Ms with peanuts, you know, and, and the kids would just go crazy, you know. And I thought about doing it this morning, but I'm thinking, no, because... When I, I would throw those M&Ms with peanuts and it would, you know, hit the kid. And they just loved it. Oh, yeah, hit me again. And, and, and I think if I threw some candy and hit one of you guys, I don't think you would appreciate that. But, uh, you know, you'd probably be calling Pastor Walt and complaining like you always do. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I'm not. But uh, uh, so we're looking forward to the men's retreat, amen, uh, October the 13th and 14th, so please uh, put that on your calendars, and I realize that some of you may not be able to come out and actually spend the night, but maybe you come out and, and participate, uh, we're looking really forward to that, and uh, for those of you who will be spending the night, please bring your CPAP machines and your Breathe Right strips, because it's, it's really challenging to be in a, a, a room or a cabin with a bunch of men who snore, um, one of the worst experiences I've ever had when I was deployed, that was always one of the things I feared. It wasn't being in a tent in the middle of a desert or being in a tent in the middle of uh, a combat zone. It was, it was being in a tent full of men who snored. And, and I'll tell you, it's rough, especially at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it, it, it's like a bunch of wild beasts, you know. And uh, I know some of the wives are laughing, but the truth of the matter is some of you snore too. But again, I'm grateful for the opportunity and privilege to share God's word with you this morning. And I thank God for Pastor Walt and his team for entrusting me uh, with you, God's most precious commodity, with his word. Amen. And so I pray this morning that God will indeed speak to us through his word. Um, so let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis, the first chapter, verses 1. Chapter 1, rather, verses 26 and 27. I love to hear pages turning. Some of, the, some of you have electronic devices, and some of you will look up here. I love this, because no, no matter how bad your bifocals get, you can always see this up here. So, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, and for the sake of the message, in some translations, particularly King James, New King James, it will say, let us make man, right, in our image. And so for the purpose also of the message today, I will be saying man, but not excluding women exclusively, because the message is really uh, geared towards men. Amen. But sisters, mothers, Daughters, it's not to exclude you. It's just for the weight of what's going on today. This is geared towards 
men, males, okay? But again, I'm not excluding you, and as, as we go further into the message, you, you, will, you will see exactly where I'm going. Amen? Yes. Amen. So he says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created man, human beings, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let's pray. King of the universe, we bless you this morning. We honor you. Truly, this is your day that you have made. And we rejoice and we're glad in it. God of heaven, this is your word. These are your people. This is your time. I pray, God, that your word will go forward with power and anointing, that it will do exactly what you send it forward to do. May you be glorified in us, through us, and in spite of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, as the saying goes, and I cannot take credit for it, but uh, I think that somewhere along the line I may have heard it and I repeat it over and over again, as a man goes... So goes his house, so goes his neighborhood, so goes his community, so goes his nation, so goes the world. Amen? As a man goes, as a man is, as a man does, as a man is, so goes his house, his residence, so goes his neighborhood. When I was growing up, in West Baltimore, uh, men after work, after work, after work, they would stand on the corner, right, and they would talk about, you know, ball game or whatever. And as we walked by, men, if you did not greet them, men would say, "Hey, do you have a problem?" "Oh, no, sir." Men would kind of police the neighborhood. If you were doing wrong, they would call out to you and say, hey, boy, pick that trash up. What's wrong with you? Oh, yes, sir. That's how my neighborhood went. That's how my community went. As a man goes, so goes his nation. It doesn't matter whether you are from these United States or from Africa, India or China or the, uh, the Caribbean. As a man goes, so goes your nation. This is not an indictment of all men. However, we understand that many concerns, many issues and many problems from what some people may claim as victimless crimes. There is no such thing as victimless crimes. Victimless, victimless crimes to world crisis are a result simply of men behaving badly. I'm going to ask you this question again a little bit later on in the message, but for right now, I want to pause and I'm going to ask you this question. What if men got saved? Think about it. I'm talking about from Wall Street to the street corner, from the prison to the president, what if men got saved? Think about it. 
I'm not talking about having a religious experience. I'm talking about being born again. After all, isn't it God's desire that none perish but that all come to repentance? All means all. Doesn't matter. God is not exclusive when he puts that out there. He's not saying, yeah, you know. No, he says all. It's always been God's desire for man to reflect God's glory throughout the earth. When God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, he meant it by way of creativity, character, intelligence, ingenuity, ability, compassion, reason, reflection, love, patience, forgiveness, kindness, and faithfulness, just to name some. When God created man, he created him for not just worship, but for fellowship, for relationship, for community, to walk with him in the cool of the day and to explore all of creation, heaven, earth, and the seas together. When God created Adam, the Bible says that God brought all of the animals to Adam to name them. Can you think about that? Adam is just chilling and he's up there and God brings him all of these animals. He says, what do you think? Adam says, yeah, that's, that's a rhinoceros. Good name. That's a turtle. Good name. That's a skunk. Yeah, good name. Watch out for him. Adam was a, was a superman. When God created him, he created him to live forever. To be impervious to disease, sickness, to never have uh, a tooth decay. To never know what sickness or disease is. To never need glasses. To never experience baldness. but most importantly, never to experience separation from him. Never. We do know this much. Our fall through Adam was much greater. The depth was much deeper. The gap much wider. Our sin more sinister than we could have ever imagined. So it's safe to say, my brothers and sisters, that we are not what we used to be, nor are we what we shall be. Amen. Thank God for Jesus, right? Because in Romans, the fifth chapter, verses 8, God says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. At our worst point, when, at humanity's worst point, when man shook his fist in God's face, it was at that time that God sent Jesus to die for us. Can I get an Amen. History tells us that the earth has been in crisis since the fall of Adam. There have been turmoil, strife, wars, genocide, atrocities, cruelty, man's inhumanity towards mankind, nation against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. It was so bad, amen, that in Genesis, the sixth chapter, verses five and seven, if we would put it up here, would you please? The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought 
or imagined was consistently and totally evil. You think things are bad now. When the, when the Bible says, go back to that for a second, please. He says, consistently and totally evil. You know what else is evil? Being a Yankee fan. That's evil. Why do you let your kids walk around with those Yankee caps on? But you know what's right behind that? Being a cowboy fan. <laughs> My brother from Philadelphia goes, amen. I'm from Baltimore, so that's why I hate the Yankees. I just like the Yankees. So he goes on to say, so the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But the Bible goes on to say, but Noah found favor with the Lord. One man, brothers and sisters, can make a difference. One man in your house, one man in your neighborhood, one man in your community, one man in your nation, one man can make a difference. You know who made a difference for me? I had, really, I had two uncles. Uh, but one, I, I have several uncles, but I had one uncle uh, that I was extremely close with. He was more of a big brother, like a father figure to me. And this uncle, uh, he taught me how to, you know, catch a football. He was a lifeguard. He was a, he was a, a, a great swimmer at his college. Uh, there's still a record that stands today. He was a swimmer. He taught me how to swim. Uh, he taught me how, uh, and back east we play lacrosse. He taught me how to play lacrosse. My uncle taught me um, how to take uh, photography, pictures, Right. And for a younger generation, how they used to develop film was they would, you know, have a dark room. And he taught me how to go in a dark room and how to have the, the different uh, chemicals and how to do that. He taught me all of that. Taught me how to it took me horseback riding. Amen. But most importantly, what my uncle did was when I was around 14 or 15, he introduced me to the person of Jesus. Now, my uncle, uh, his name was Joseph, but we called him Alfred. Uh, but Joseph, uh, he was saved. Let me tell you, when he got saved, he got hippie saved. <laughs> Him and my uncle Ashton, they were saved, man. I mean, they were like everything was Jesus. I mean, it was they were like hippies. And and uh, uh, but my uncle made such an impact in my life. Now, even though he introduced me to Jesus when I was uh, 14, um, I kind of, you know, had some issues along the way. However, the foundation was set, the seed was sown. And from that foundation, from that seed, God remembered his promise that he made to my uncle. One man can make a difference. Now, my uncle has since gone on to be with the Lord this year. My other uncle, he is still saved, and he's still a hippie. <laughs> now, he's not a hippie. He's just hippie-like. Uh, What we do, men, or fail to do, good or for bad, does and will affect our entire cosmos. 
and sometimes for generations. Some of us here today, we are experiencing some of those godly and wise decisions that those who have gone before us that they have made. Some of you have a lineage, a generation, uh, a legacy of men who made, who walked with God and made right decisions. Unfortunately, some of us are here today and we are experiencing some of the decisions that men who came before us did not follow God and made decisions. It affects us. It affects us from generation to generation. You see, God knows this and so does Satan. You see, that's why men is that sometimes uh, from the time you are young, Satan tried to do things not necessarily to destroy you indeed, but that he know he knew that this is going to affect you down the road. You feel me? But God also knew. And so for every trick, plan, device that Satan tried to institute, God had a counter for it. So you're not here today by accident. And some of us have uh, 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 been through some really horrific things, but it was God who allowed you to be here today so that your misery could be your ministry. In spite of. In spite of, so that, why? So that when you got saved, that you would be able to share your story with other men. And they could see that, yes, God indeed is a deliverer. That God is indeed a restorer. That he is indeed a healer. I said this before, and I believe it's worth repeating. I don't believe in in generational curses. I know many people will say different things and yada, yada, and I get it. Uh, I don't believe in generational curses. I believe in generational sin. And some of us learn how to sin really well. And sin has consequences. Even when we look at uh, our forefathers, Adam and, 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 and mother, Adam and Eve, what? Disobedience. When we look at the decisions of Abraham, not trusting God. When we look at the story of Jacob, deception and trickery. When we look at Achan and the battle of Ai, right? Achan's coveting cost his entire family their lives. And when we look at most of the kings of Israel, it led an entire nation not only astray but into captivity. When we fast forward to modern times, We can all agree most, if not all, of the concerns of our environment are a result of man's disobedience to God and man's desire to exercise his own free will, the desire to be his own God. No, I'm going to do things my way. You see, when Satan told Adam and Eve uh, in the garden that, listen, when you do this, God knows that, you you know, when you do this, you'll be you'll be you'll be like him. There was some truth to that. And so from Adam's DNA all the way down to all of our DNA, we have this God, small g, complex. We want to do things our way. I want to be my own God. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. And you know what? After a while, you know what God simply says? When God, you know what God tells a nation who tells him that? He says, you know what? Go right ahead. Do your thing. There ain't going to be two of us. You go right ahead. You want to be your own God? Help yourself. Listen. We are blessed as a nation. We are blessed. 
We have, God has been so kind to us, right? We have uh, uh, all these technologies. You know, I've said it many times before. You go to Walmart, Wall Stuff, and it's just, I mean, it's stuff everywhere. You can go to Nebraska Furniture Mart, man, and just lose your mind. All of these things, all this technology, you know, we got these smartphones that make you dumb. And, 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 and we got all of this stuff, all this technology, but you know, it is all by God's blessing that we have this. All of the intellectual property belong to him. The Bible says that all the cattle on a thousand hills, meaning that all of the wealth, all the resources, all of the, all, everything, it belongs to God. And God in his kindness has blessed us as a nation. And what we as a nation have done is saying, I don't need you. I don't want you. I want to do, I want to make up my own rules. I don't care what you say. Yeah, that was back then. Yeah, that was antiquated. Yeah, that was this. And you know what God is saying? Okay, that's how you feel. All right, go right ahead. But you know, the only reason why we are not imploding right now is because of the church. It's because of men and women who are praying and interceding. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Now, listen, some people will blame the church for man's demise. If only the church would do better, if only there were better preaching, if only there were better reaching, better evangelizing, better teaching. While some aspects of that accusation may be slightly true, I don't entirely support it, and neither does the Bible. It's in our DNA to revolt, to disobey, to defy, and and to deny God. You know, before, many people say, well, you know what? All this stuff started happening when they took prayer out of school. Right. Let me tell you something. Before they took prayer out of school, prayer was taken out of the hearts uh, in the home. Before it got to the school, it was you know, nobody was praying at home. That's why this one woman can stroll up in there and, and say, hey, I don't like this. And they go, yeah, you know what? No, we're going to cut that out. But Jesus told Nicodemus in John, the third chapter, verses 19 and 20, if you put that up there for me. And just to kind of give you a little background, Nicodemus, as we know, was a religious leader. He came to Jesus by night. Some people said he came to him by night because he was kind of like, you know, didn't want undercover. Some people said, no, he came tonight because that was the only time he had because he was busy. Whatever the reason was, he came to him. Right. And Jesus, as we know, in John 316, for God so loved the world, we know that dissertation that takes place. But listen, it goes a little bit further. And this is what I love about it. It says, and Jesus says, and the judgment is based on this fact, Nicodemus. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their, for their actions were evil. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And he goes on and says, and all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. See, that's what it is. You see, when I was a, a sinner, I didn't want to be around saved folks. Right? It was something, or should I say it was someone in them that made me feel very uncomfortable. And no matter how much I knew better, it was like, no. And I used to say, I used to swear, man, they reading me. They know, you know, they, they talking about me. They weren't talking about me. It's just that the sin that I love to do, that evil that I like, that darkness that I like was around light. And it was kind of like, no, 
And you see, that's the condition of the world today. The world does not like the light because it exposes their evil deeds. The Bible never says the church did or will fail society. It never says that. While it does point out behavior, practices, and sin in the church, in the book of Revelation, and also when you look at uh, the church in Corinth, they had some issues, right? It never addresses the church as being anemic. It does clearly address the cause and the reasons of the plight of the world since Adam's fall. The sin nature of human beings. And many times what we blame or we address, uh, uh, address as spiritual entities, we're saying, oh, you know, it's the spirit of this. It's the spirit of that. And I'm, not I'm not discarding that. We understand that there are spiritual beings and, 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 and places and doing some terrible things. It's, I call them, they are, um, uh, uh, the word I'm looking for is instigators. Yes. They're, they're always, you know, kind of instigating. They're doing things, right? But the Bible says, it never says that. But when you look at Galatians, the fifth chapter, particularly starting at verse 19, it clearly explains sin, the sin nature, and the results of it. Also, when you read Romans, the fifth chapter, verses, uh, 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 the eighth chapter, verses 5 uh, uh, and 8, you begin to see the carnal mind. The Bible says that it's enmity, it's, en it's enemy against God. It's our, our own sin nature. You and I have to understand and see that humanity's condition outside of Jesus Christ is tragic. The good news doesn't always make you feel good. The problem today is too many want, as C.S. Lewis says, cheap grace. Rub a little Jesus on it. Spread a little church over it. Let me do my good deeds and God will reward me. But when rubbing a little Jesus on it and spreading a little church over it and doing some good deeds doesn't work, we blame and walk out of God. And some will even say, you know what? This stuff doesn't work. My brothers and sisters, walking with the Lord is not magic. This isn't like, okay, I'm going, God is going to... He is not an entertainer. He's not a genie in a lamp. You know what? I'm going to rub the Bible. And then and he appears and says, what do you want? Oh, you know, he, he's not that. He is not an entertainer. He never was. No, he will he, he'll never be. He owes you and I absolutely nothing. Because if he gave us what we, what we deserve, if he gave us what we earned, we would all be in trouble. So let's look at what's really going on. Let's look at Luke, the 22nd chapter, verses 31 and 32. And this is Jesus talking to Simon Peter. And we know just previous to this, Peter was saying, hey, man, I'm with you. If I can use a modern vernacular, he would say, I got your back. I will die. Before I let something happen to you. And Jesus looking at Peter. He says. Simon. Simon. You see we can take that out. And we can put in our names. Bobby. Bobby. Terry. Terry. Walt. Walt. 
Put your name in there. And he says, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. And guess what? He is doing the same thing today, the same way he went to God about Job. He says, let me just let me have him. He's coming to God about you. He's saying, just give me them just for a little while. They will curse you to your face. And Jesus said, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. I've pleaded in prayer for you, Terry. I've pleaded in prayer for you, Bobby. I've pleaded in prayer for you, Walt. I've pleaded in prayer that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, I want you to do something. I want you to strengthen your brethren. God is saying the same thing today. Listen, when you are converted, when you are strengthened, I want you to do me a favor. Will you please strengthen your brethren? This word sift, it means to make go up and down, to be gone, to scatter, to stagger, to go to and fro. And when you look at that word, uh, and out of that comes the word vagabond. Means to be just wandering from place to place, to be worthless, to be shiftless, to be like a tramp, a vagrant. And you know, Satan's desire is for us to be uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually vagrants. Just wandering. And for some of us, we know what that's like, where we were just, just unrecognizable. You may have had it together on the outside, but on the inside, you were, you were just frazzled spiritually. You see, we are all flawed. And some of us are able to mask or cover or hide or even suppress our sin better than others. Men, I think an accountability partner is good. Some of us understand that. Some of us do have accountability partners. But I believe we need to have a partner that we can confide in. That I can cry to and cry with and lean on. And I can say, hey, man, I'm having an issue. I'm having a problem. I need you to pray with me. I need you. I need some help. Yeah, because when we think of accountability partner, we we'll always think, well, did you watch something? Man, I need somebody that I can say, I'm having a rough day, Terry. Man, I'm feeling like, whew, feeling worthless. I need help. And I need to be there for you as well as you are there for me. I believe God wants us to pray about these root causes, not just the visible outcomes. I believe God wants us to pray uh, at the, the core of what's really going on in our society. See, I believe when we get to the root of what's going on and we're able to pray effectively for what's going on at the root, then we are able to address the, out, the external. When we pray the root, we're able to find out and pray so that abortion can be done away with. So when we pray the root causes of fatherlessness, when we can pray the root causes of violence, when we can pray the root causes of, of, of sexual immorality, then we're getting to what's really going on. See, because many times we're praying this external, you know, these things and we're praying this and that. And sometimes, yes, we want God to heal, but God is saying, I want to go deeper than that. I want to go to the cause of what's going on. 
What if men got saved? Satan knows if men got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the world would literally turn upside down. If men got saved, the foster care system would be eradicated. If men got saved, violence would be diminished. If men got saved, sex trafficking would no longer exist. If men got saved, pornography would be done away with. If men got saved, fatherlessness would no longer happen. If men got saved, there would be no domestic violence. If men got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why from the time we're young, he's attacking us. Because he knows if I can get him when he's three, if I can get him when he's five, I got him. If I can mess him up then, if I can cause him to be dysfunctional, he'll grow up being dysfunctional. And he'll find somebody else is dysfunctional. And this thing will keep going. That's why men, my brothers and sisters, we got to pray root that men get saved. That men get sanctified. That men get filled with the Holy Spirit. That men get saved. Our neighborhoods would be different. Our homes would be different. Our communities would be different. Our nation would be different if men got saved. See, this is a battle for your and my soul. Amen. This, that's why there's so much turmoil. Because there's a battle going on right now. For men, for the souls of men. See, the reality is, we know this, that hurt people hurt people. Broken people break people. Shattered people shatter people. Damaged people damage people. Wounded people wound people. Bound people bind people. But when Jesus steps in, when Jesus steps into the darkness, when Jesus steps into your mess and my mess, when Jesus steps into my despair, when Jesus steps in, things change. Lives are not just made better. Lives are changed and transformed. He didn't want to just give us self-help tools, which are okay. He no longer wants us to be relegated to traditions, which are fine, and good habits. He wants us transformed by residing in us. By living in us, by pitching his tent in us, not just retooling us, but birthing us anew to be born again, to be reborn. That's what happens when Jesus steps in. He not only changes habits, he changes natures. My nature has been changed. And what God wants to do, he wants to change men's nature. He doesn't want you to be predators. He wants you to be providers. He doesn't want you to be violent. He wants you to be uh, healers. He wants to change natures. Does that mean I never make bad or wrong decisions or sin or fall short of his glory? No, it means that I'm no longer bound by sin. Sin no longer has control over me. You see, before Jesus truly stepped in, if sin told me to say it, I said it. If sin told me to drink it, I drank it. If sin told me to smoke it, I smoked it. If sin told me to say it, I said it. But when Jesus stepped in, sin no longer had control over me. 
no matter how much I tried before, if I said, I'm not going there no more, I'm not doing it again, I still did it. But when Jesus stepped in, all of a sudden he empowered me with the person of the Holy Spirit. And so when the desire came, I said, no. And I said, no. You see, man, God wants to heal your minds. How we think our thoughts lead to actions and actions have actions have consequences. And how we think is who we are and what we think is what we will do. Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. God wants to heal our minds. Colossians and brothers and sisters, if you ever really want to understand what Christ did by way of the cross, please read the letter of Colossians. Colossians, the second chapter, verses 13 and 14. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He counseled the record of the charges against us and took it away by doing what? By nailing it to the cross. All of our habits, all of our addictions, all of our stuff. He nailed it to the cross. Paul also says in Colossians, the second chapter, the 23rd verse, he says, you have tried strong devotion. Again, devotions are good. You've tried pious self-denial. Self-denial is okay. And severe bodily discipline. Discipline is a good thing. But they provided no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Our salvation does not depend on our own discipline and rule keeping, but on the power of Christ's death and resurrection. See, my brothers and sisters, when Christ was crucified, we were crucified. When Christ was buried, we were buried. When Christ rose from the grave, we rose from the grave. And when Christ ascended, we ascended. And we and when he ascended to the heights, the Bible says he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Ephesians four and eight. Christ defeated sin and death by his resurrection, taking them captive and rendering them powerless as would a king after a victory over his enemies. The gifts that God has given us by way of Christ is, of course, eternal life for the forgiveness of sins, the person and the power of the Holy Spirit as well as prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors and apostles. Why? Amen. To help the church, to prepare God's people for, for the works of service. So God has saved us and given us these gifts so that we, in turn, can make a difference in our home, make a difference in our community, make a difference in our nation, make a difference in the world. When Jesus told Peter that once he was converted to strengthen his brother, my brothers, I said, this is exactly what he's calling us to do today, that we are called to strengthen our brothers. You see, hurt people and do indeed hurt people, but help people help people. Broken people break people, but rebuilt people build people. Shattered people shatter people, but whole people restore people. Damaged people damage people, but loved people love people. Wounded people wound people, but healed people bind up wounds. Bound people bind people, but freed people lead others to freedom.
if, as you stand to your feet, if you were or are broken, wounded, displaced, disenfranchised, disillusioned, disappointed, despondent, abandoned, beaten, cast off, cut off, abused, taken advantage of, misused, misunderstood, neglected, pushed aside, ridiculed, humiliated, or disavowed, today is your day. If you were the perpetrator of any of these previous mentioned, this is your day. Because those who have been victims need to be healed as well as those who have committed the offenses need to be forgiven and healed. And Jesus is the healer as well as the healing. And some of us may think, I can never change because I have been fill in the blank. And some may think, I can never change because I have committed fill in the blank. But today, God wants to change you now and forever. If you would put Isaiah, the 53rd chapter up there, verses 3 through 12. He was despised and rejected, as Pastor Walt kind of went over this Wednesday night. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray, straight away, and have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short at midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Thank God for Jesus. You see, all of my wounds, all of my hurt, all of my despair, Jesus bore it all. And if I inflicted a cause that Jesus bore it all. Today, men, 
if you are here today and you have experienced being wounded or displaced or disenfranchised, disappointed, despondent, broken, beaten, cast out, abused, taken advantage of, well, you name it, today is your day. Come down so God can do what he wants to do in your life. If you are the perpetrator of any of these things and you are dealing with the, the guilt and the shame of it, God wants to forgive you and heal you today. My sisters, if you have been standing in the gap in prayer for your husband, for your sons, for your brothers, for a loved brother in your life, and you've been interceding and praying and asking God to, to, to intervene in this life, today, if you want to come and stand in the gap, please do. Because God wants to change us so that we can change our culture. Amen? Don't let this opportunity pass you by, Pastor Walt. Before we pray together, uh, I want to do something as we close. I want to, uh, I want to do this. Uh, I want all the ladies to sit down for a moment and the men to remain standing. Now, if you're, a, if you're at the age of 15 or above, if you would be seated, 15 above, men be seated. Forty and above, if you'll be seated. Thirty and above, you can be seated. All right. Now, I want you to look around. Right, 29 and below are standing right now. I want you to think about this for a moment. Pastor Bobby mentioned his uncle Joseph, who at a very optimal time in his life, took him aside and taught him some things, taught him how to swim, taught him how to ride horseback, taught him how to take pictures, but most importantly, introduced him to Jesus. And I, I, I'm asking the men that are 29 and below to remain standing because I don't know if you've had an Uncle Joseph in your life or not. But I believe that every man needs an Uncle Joseph in his life. And sometimes it comes through your father. Sometimes it comes through an uncle. Sometimes it comes through a friend. But every one of us need an Uncle Joseph. And so I want to pray for these young men to begin with that God will bring Uncle Joseph's into their lives. And you may already have one, and I rejoice if that's the case. And I, and I want you to, if you're, if you're 30 and above, I want you to look at these young men as well and realize that they represent the, the young men in your life that maybe you need to be the Uncle Joseph too. Because Bobby has not gotten to where he is today if it weren't for somebody, Right? who poured into his life, who maybe bound up some wounds in his life and taught him some things that he needed to, to learn. So we have this powerful opportunity to, to receive the, the uncles in our life and to be the uncle. That's where we're going with this. And I'm going to pray that as we close that God will raise up <laughs> Uncle Joseph's. Can we do that? Father, I thank you for the young men standing. And I thank you, God, for those who are sitting as well. And God, we pray that you would raise up those Uncle Josephs in our lives. God, that can be God with the flesh, God with skin on, 
God, I pray for these men that are standing, that if they don't have that person, God, that you would raise up laborers, raise up those uncles, raise up those men, Lord. And now I want all the men to stand, if you would, all the men to stand. And God, I pray for all the men today. Some of, uh, some of the men, many perhaps are wounded. I know I have had so many wounds, and I know, God, that you've healed many of them, but there's still wounds yet to be healed. And so I include myself in this prayer, and I say, God, would you go to the heart of every man here, and would you begin in the very depths of his heart, go to the very root of the pain, go to the very roots of the wound, God. And I pray that today there'd be a softening going on a healing by the power of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. That, God, something would be initiated today in every heart. God, we want to become men like David, men who had a heart after God. I want you all men, if you could, every man here, put your hand over your heart. God, give me a heart that's after you. Give me a heart that's after you, Lord. Give me a heart that seeks you above everything else, Lord. And God, we pray, God, that you, God, would begin to, not only in our hearts, but in our community, God, in the men in our community, begin a stirring, God, in our community and in our nation, Lord. God, we believe that as men's hearts are turned towards you and are after you like David, God, you can change a nation just like you changed a nation under David. Just like you changed Noah's family under Noah, God, you can do that, Lord. Do it again, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Everyone stand if you would. Can we say thank you to Pastor Bobby this morning for that powerful message? Thank you, my friend. I want to remind those of you who, who prayed with me earlier in the service to be right with God to come and tell one of our prayer workers. And I also want to remind those of you who are new to Glad Tidings, if, uh, you would, if you would please join my wife and I and our pastors and directors at the Pizza with the Team that's happening right after this service down in our student auditorium. Pick up your kids and meet us down there. We'd love to see you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.